Hey, Tony. So the other day, <laughs> you want to hear the story? Really? The other day, I took my... So I got this new ride, you know? I got a BMW. It's nice, you know? But it's a little older, so it needed some exhaust work, you know? So I took it down to Tony. And you know what Tony told me? He said, hey, Ian, it's going to be $500. And I was like, Tony, do I look like a guy that has $500? And he said, look, Ian, I don't care if you come in a suit. I don't care if you come in flip-flops. I need $500 for this muffler, you know? Tony don't care if I got money or not because he needs the $500. That's what he charges for the muffler. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Yeah, buddy, it's Thursday morning. That means it's time for another Lifestyle Business Podcast. Today, I am joined by my captain, my co-hostess with the mostest, a man whose pen name is Sir Boss Ballington. Welcome to the program, Ian. If you guys stick around to the end of the show, I'll share with you a premium but free resource to having Apple quality design on your websites. Wow. It's another Thursday morning, Ian. It's great to have you. What are, where are you coming from today? Uh, first of all, who doesn't stick around to the end of the show? I know nobody that doesn't stick around to the end of the show. <laughs> I'm coming from you, coming to you from, I would say sunny San Diego, but we are doing this late night. Uh, mm. So, but I'm coming to you from San Diego. What about you? I'm in Saigon. Thanks to DC or John Myers for taking me out for a baller night on the town Saturday night. Uh, we had a, a two in my party, Ian, right? So there was like 20 of us entrepreneurial types around the table. Um, absolutely blew it out on the, the rooftop of this amazing, like, you know, kind of a flimpy top end kind of place. Looked at the old credit card statement the next day, 88 bucks. So, and we absolutely That's blew it up. That's expensive, isn't it? No, well, for you maybe. I don't, you're eating burritos in the corner every day. So, but That's I'm true. talking. This is this is baller, man. So anyway, thanks, John, for uh, meeting up with the, me and uh, showing me your town. So um, real also- quick here, this is this is like a top top of the line place in Vietnam. We can expect to pay about ninety bucks for a two top. Okay, yeah, that's that's online with Western prices, right? It was baller, man. So, it's a crazy username. Relevant for all industries, plus they make me laugh. Dollar signs. Thank you. And Elena Jacob says, this is an absolutely awesome business podcast. You guys provide me with a seemingly endless supply of useful business information. I'm new to the podcast and I've only made it through 45 episodes, but you guys offer some of the best advice and insider information on entrepreneurship. I've seen in a long time, and I see a lot of stuff. Well, thank you, Elena. What do you think about that, Ian? That's one of the best iTunes reviews I've read in a long time. Speaking of reviews, Doug from DaddyDoug.com, one time way back in the day, wrote a review where he said we were the fifth best podcast in in the known human universe. And he wrote back to us this week, and he said, Dan, I got to tell you about that list. He said, man, I'm sorry. He didn't say that. He said, if I were to make another list today, you guys would be in the number one spot. Thanks a million. Cheers. Doug, we got a phone call today from Jonathan Roseland. Let's take a listen. 
Hi, Dan. This is Jonathan, and I've got a travel question for you. I was recently in Panama and Costa Rica, and I ran into this situation a couple of times. You've arrived in a new city, and a local walks up to you and starts offering to give you advice about where things are. And so I'm wondering if there's some little life hacks that we can use to determine who are the people that are trying to help us out and who are the people that might not have our best interests in mind. Also, I guess the, the same thing kind of goes for when you're at some bar in some country and you're, you're flirting it up with some exotic, uh, attractive member of the opposite sex. So thanks again. I really appreciate that. I'm Jonathan Roseland with the Limitless Mindset Podcast. All right, Jonathan, great question. And Ian has a couple responses for you. What say you, sir, CEO? Love getting these phone calls. Okay, so I've got a couple things to say about this. You know, I treat travel kind of like I treat driving on the highway. And that is this. Uh, I am always going about 10 miles an hour faster, 5, 10 miles an hour faster than everybody else because yeah, of a couple things. One is I have no respect for the speed limit or the law. Because you have for a need for speed, man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Second reason is I have a need for speed. But two, or the third reason is I don't leave a lot of the judgments up to the other people on the road because I don't know if they're smoking dope. I don't know if they're on Xanax. I don't know what they took this morning, but I don't trust them. So I like to go a little bit faster than everybody else and do the overtaking. And I think the same should be true for you when you're traveling. You know, you are in control of yourself and and probably not so much your surroundings when you're traveling uh, around, but you should do the overtaking. So I don't let people approach me too much when I'm traveling if I can help it. And if they do, I don't necessarily take their advice. So I do the approaching. You have a piece of advice written on here called flip flop and glue. What kind of prompt is that? (laughs) (laughs) We were sitting in, uh, I think we're sitting in Vietnam. Jeez, dude, this must have been like two or three years ago. And uh, one of us, uh, one of our flip flops, I can't remember if it was you or me, but uh, it needed gluing. It was coming apart. (laughs) And so... You know, being the resourceful uh, gent that he was, the Vietnamese dude walked up to us and offered us some glue for our flip-flop. And so I think it was me. And basically, I knew my flip-flop needed glue. I didn't need the guy to tell me it needed glue. I knew it needed glue. These are my flip-flops. I know it needs glue, right? (laughs) And so I didn't take him up on the glue, but I knew it needed the glue. And the point here is that... (laughs) You know if your flip-flop needs glue or not. You don't need somebody to walk up to you and tell you your flip-flop needs glue. That's an awful point. (laughs) Go up to love it. I think the point is come to Vietnam. You'll have these amazing uh, pedestrian travel experiences. People will intuitively know that you need glue for your flip-flop. This might relate to, to my point, which is, look, when you show up in a place like Vietnam, it's still planet Earth. A lot of like really smart people sort of just... Like just go limp, and it's like, well, I'm in a, I'm in a whole different place now. I just gotta kind of go with the flow, and they'll do all kinds of, you know, ridiculous oversights because they're not taking full responsibility for. It's still Earth. They're just speaking a different language. And I, so I, I think, think the word you're looking for here, because I was struggling to find words, so let me find one for you. I think the word you're looking for here is derp. That's exactly right. Don't derp around just because you're in another country. You can still be, you know, have a ton of backbone. You can still be a confident entrepreneur, even though you're in some random place where they don't speak your language. And finally, in regards to the opposite sex, and this is a policy that Ian and I have developed and honed over um, 
you know, many, a few decades now is that if a woman is attracted to you in any way, always be suspicious regardless of her culture, creed, or country. That works well for Ian and I, <laughs> and I would recommend it to all. all I've right, never Jake. had a woman be attracted to me, so. <laughs> all right, so Jake has a question for us. He asks, um, he sees a common problem for entrepreneurs and this problem for him. It's the belief that their product is not valuable and not worth people spending their hard-earned money on it. So it's sort of like uh, an unearned guilt is what he's saying. Okay. And he'd love to hear... Ian's thoughts on it. Oh, business guru. What do you think? <laughs> well, I think this is really common for, for entrepreneurs. I see it all the time. And it's that you are coming out with a product, but uh, you don't feel like it's it's worth what you want to charge for it. So you're coming out with some kind of information product. And so I think you have to do what's right for Jake. And if Jake needs to charge $10 for it, the market bearing, then you should charge $10 for it. And you shouldn't feel bad about it. So the market has a price for everything. The market has a price for tires, has a price for sunglasses, uh, has a price for computers. Everything's kind of been established, and if you hopefully you're coming out with a product that's uh, relevant to a market. If you're coming out with something brand new, then I guess this is a little bit difficult. But my guess is Jake that you're coming out with a product in a market that already exists, and so the price has already been determined. Best thing you can do is figure out where your product fits into that and start selling it. That works for me. Let's listen to Matthew Newton from Driverless Car HQ. He says um, that he just got off the phone with Wired.com. They're going to be quoting one of his articles in a story tomorrow. They've gone from writing posts with 100 posts with one comment to getting mentioned in U.S. news this week. So again, that's driverless car, hq.com. And what Matthew Newton is trying to uh, help us to illustrate is the power of specialization. This is something that Ian and I talk about constantly. Stop starting a random blog about cars. Stop starting a random blog about business, much like this one. Start something focused and wired is going to give you a call like a boss. This is such a cool story. Wrote a hundred posts and not one with a comment and then Wired called him up. That is Boom. proof too that the silent majority is working, right? That's is the that silent majority. It? That's yeah. Over 99% of your audience will never ever get in contact with you and uh, writing for them. And like, you have to have an intuitive sense about who they are. This is one of the biggest problems that I see with bloggers, Ian, is that they write to their tweeters they write to their Facebook friends. And there's nothing, ro- there's nothing wrong with that inherently, but they can often miss the boat with the 99% of people who aren't tweeting about stuff. Um, and I think the one of our advantages is that we've met hundreds of our readers and listeners. And so when I, when I like talk about this stuff, I see them, like their, their faces are floating in my head. And so I'm not just writing and talking for tweets. And I think that you're, you can come off like a little bit of a sellout. You can do sellout stuff and uh, nobody likes right. a sellout. Um, right, Ian? Except you. That's right. You like a sellout. You love a sellout. But, Look uh, what happened to Green Day. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Norris, one of our good buddies, podcast supporters, started a podcast and the first ep- episode is already causing a lot of discussion. It's the power of quality content, man. Check out Web Domination. 
Man, we got a lot of stuff going on in this episode. Skyler writes us an email saying, I've been listening to the LBP for four to five months. It has made me realize that my dream is to achieve the same lifestyle as you and Ian. I'm very passionate about entrepreneurship, but the opportunities are slow to come. So one of my goals is to build my skill sets. What would be the top skill sets that I could develop while I'm waiting for that key opportunity? Thank you, Skylar. Well, I'm feeling a little hungry. Let's turn that into some meat and potatoes. Hey, you know yeah, what? Buddy. Speaking of uh, speak, <laughs> speaking of emails from listeners, I got an email a couple weeks ago. I can't remember who it was from. I'd love to give the shout, but someone was like giving me some critical feedback, and they were like, Dan. And I said all this good stuff. It was like a compliment sandwich, you know? I said something like really nice about the... And then they kind of took a moment and they were like, Dan, I just want to let you know that it's noticeable when you misuse the English language. It was like worded really (laughs) nicely, you know? Like, I'm like, no shit. (laughs) Actually, you know, I I, I don't know if I... I don't think I got this from you. I just think I'm bad at it in general, but you, you, you tend to do this too. And it's we use words that are like, uh, inappropriate or wrong? That's a malapropism. I don't know. Maybe this is a disease. It's a disease. I think it's just, it's like dyslexia. It's like it's podlexia. I mean, you turn on the microphones, you start talking. You're not going to sound as smart as you think you are. That's the no. bottom line. All right. This is the top skill sets, the top five skill sets to have in 2012. Um, let's talk about the top five skill sets. Number one, Ian, writing. That's right. I'm going to let it give a little moment for people to sink in because everybody's a writer nowadays. Everybody's writing. Everybody wants to write. Um, it's a zero barrier to entry. You know, you can fill out a, you can, you can fill out an application and you're a writer and right. that's, the, that's the double-edged sword of, of writing. Part of the reason why you meet a bunch of writers and you don't meet a bunch of Python developers is that being a writer is non-falsifiable. You can right. be a writer tomorrow. In fact, there's blogs centered around this very topic, which is that all you got to do is start writing, you're a writer. And uh, there's a whole industry around this. Um, And that's cool. Um, I'm totally fine with that. But but here's the thing. I think the true test of writing as a skill set that's interesting for entrepreneurs is inspiring action and defining actionable courses of action for people. So it's part of the reason why a lot of writers focus so much on sales letters. If you can inspire somebody to, to buy your product, you're inspiring action in the world. That to me um, is a, such a powerful skill set. And I think maybe the biggest thing that people miss when it comes to writing, Ian, is a lot of people focus on the elements of grammar. A lot of people focus on the elements of how you can weave a sentence together. And a lot of people focus on just the process like people like the experience of feeling the freedom of writing um yeah but there's the biggest element that people miss is the thinking because really like what half of at least half of writing is thinking i think this is uh man i'm I'm looking at this list here and i think like being a writer is definitely like the most intimidating thing on the list for me, at least. I think it's the, one of the hardest things to do ever. Uh, you would probably say the same. I yep. wrote an article today and I sent it to you and you said it was total crap and I 100% <laughs> agree and I knew it when I was writing it, but uh, man, it's so hard because uh, because writing is difficult. So a couple things I, I have to say about this. Um, I think you're totally right to say uh, whatever you're writing has to evoke some kind of action. And I think in the example of, say, like fiction, um, it evokes uh, imagination a lot of times. 
And uh, so there's different kinds of writing, like you said, right? There's like fiction, there's nonfiction, there's sales writing, uh, there's copywriting, there's a bunch of different uh, writing, and they all have to kind of do a different thing. They all have to evoke some kind of different emotion or some kind of different response. And what I see with 95% of writers, myself included, is that, like you said, there's no actionable item to be had after you read that piece of what you would call maybe bubblegum? Well, I think th- there's there's another element to it, which is um, concept generation. I mean, that's one of the most powerful things about writing is that you develop concepts that then become like swords, like they're tools that you can use to move forward with your business. You know, like you can write an article that says like, this is our process for SEO. And then boom, like that is your process for SEO, right? So and, like writing um, can actually generate actionable concepts. And, and, and sorry, that's what, I mean, well, well, I'm going to just look back to your crappy article. Let's take that as an example. It wasn't that it was crappy. It was that you did it in 20 minutes. So it's like, all right, well, you put some thoughts forward. And then we went in there and we slash and burn the thing. We were like, well, what what's left? What was the nugget that is going to be meaningful for any future concept? And then I think what we're seeking is some kind of something that rings true, something that, that emerges as something that we can build a business on or we could build a podcast on or we could build an article on. And so it wasn't really the fact that you're not a good writer. It was that you spent 20 minutes on the damn thing, right? That's very stuff true. takes and time. I, and I think what you're saying is that nothing actually uh, came out of it. And I think that's true of a lot of things. Like like you go to build something, uh, let's say like in SolidWorks and like 3D modeling program, right? And something comes out of that. Like you put all the parts yeah. together and it becomes something. Man, that's difficult to do with writing. Yeah, so I mean, it's very difficult. There's one other thing about writing that I think is important, which is you, know, you want to strike a balance between having your own integrity about what's good, but most writers are way too heavy on the own integrity side, and it's a defense mechanism. I think you got to put your writing out to the world, and if people aren't mirroring it back to you, if people aren't saying, yeah, that's valuable to me, or yeah, that helped me move forward in some way or not, you're not really doing much with the pen. You know, stick with the sword or whatever. So I, I think writing is a really tough one, again, because it's non-falsifiable. You can't walk into a room and be like, boom, I'm a Python developer, peeps. And then it's just <laughs> like, once it's like startup weekend or whatever, and you start to like, you know, all of a sudden uh, you're just sitting there with fucking sweat reading, going down your... Uh, um, your, your <laughs> forehead it's like you're not going to get too far with that story right, right. <laughs> and I think it's, it's, it's the thing about you know non-falsifiable statements is that you can keep saying them for a long time without anybody ever giving you any good feedback about it and that's why I think it's so important to focus your writing on moving things forward focus your writing on having those actions happen afterwards because then you're going to know whether it's even meaningful that you're doing it or not and it's this whole you know, advice world of like, just do it every day until you're blue in the face. And then one day you'll wake up and that's, I I couldn't think of worse advice. I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. You got to have a reason behind what you're doing. That's why I love blogs because you can focus your writing on actually trying to solve people's problems. You know, that's the most interesting. That's like the simplest hack to being interesting in the world is if you want to make your writing interesting, solve a really simple problem with it and it'll be interesting even if it's about why is this weird icon popping up on my Mac OS? Well, I'm interested. Number two, developer, becoming a developer with design sensibility. This one is kind of a, what would you say? This is like, this is hitting it off the t-ball. Everybody knows that being a developer is, it's that magical combination of being super difficult to learn 
and super valuable to the marketplace. Everybody needs developers. If you want to become a developer, if you're thinking about making this life decision, check out Dreaming in Code. I actually think like great writers and great developers have a lot of things in common. They're Agreed. both like builders and tinkerers. You know, a lot of people don't realize like, you know, I spend a lot of time writing and I just absolutely disappear for 10 hours at a time. And I wake up as 10 hours later because I'm tinkering, I'm building, I'm stringing together the lines of code. And, uh, you know, so that is, I think it, what I'm trying to get at is like, I think to be a good developer, just like to be a good writer, you have to kind of recognize in yourself, do you have that builder gene? Do you like to kind of go into the closet and sit there and tinker all afternoon? If you don't have that, maybe development is uh, not the way to go. Yeah, I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of people have the potential to, to, to tinker around, uh, but I think a lot of it has to do with follow through too. So I see a lot of tinkering around, and then like not a lot of follow through. Uh, yeah. So I think if you're going to be a developer with design sensibility, you you've got to want to tinker and then also follow through with the end product. Right. So the first two ones are very tinker oriented. And now we're going to start to, the gradient's going to start to shift to more broader skill sets. Number three is become an industrial designer or an engineer. So this is the, this is part of the DNA that allowed our business to get jump started. Again, it's a, it's a difficult, unique and marketable skill. What drew you to this, Ian? Uh, what drew me to it and why I think it's still important in uh, 2012 is because it's a very specific uh, skill set to have. Uh, and it's it's a pretty clear path to like making uh, money too. So as a designer or an engineer, I think it's, uh, that's, it's pretty clean cut. So you have a unique and specific skill set that allows you to either engineer things or design things and then go ahead and manufacture things. And so the way that that's worked out for us has been uh, pretty Pretty good. All uh, right. So, question I, uh, for you: If you, if, if, if somebody's listening in the audience and they're like, "Well, I missed the freaking four-year college boat on the whole industrial design thing," how does one get good at this without going to school? Not a problem. Three uh, D solid modeling is another way to get into this, and that's something that's very tangible. Um, so, I would go out and I would learn a three D uh, modeling uh, software program like uh, SolidWorks or ProE or something like that. Or you could even go out and you could learn how to use uh, KeyShot. KeyShot is a rendering. Yeah. Uh, program that uh, people say again I was just saying boom sorry oh yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) go out and learn how to go out and learn how to be a world-class renderer uh, to make pretty pictures with these models that's something that's going to be very high in demand uh, in the future and is already in high demand now and these are very technical things uh, that you don't have to go to school for and that you can uh, be self-taught engineer not so much you need to be able to go to school for that probably speaking of self-taught number four is internet marketing and i would i mean we could say internet marketing consultant and this is probably more in the vein of what a lot of people are doing and that can be a problem too because again this is very attractive the barrier to entry is zero. So I want to talk about the real barrier to entry to being an internet marketer. Here's what it is. I'll call it offer development. So the best internet marketers that, you know, started from scratch and turned themselves into something in the course of a couple years, they got really good at creating offers and getting people to click through whether that's to opt into a mailing list, whether it's to buy that stuff. And really like, you know, you can geek out and this is what most people do. It's like, it's the churn of every SEO article and what did Pat Flynn say and what is going on with my niche site and whether should I do black hat or white hat SEO. And this is all fine. That's cool. That's 
that's that's like the that is the equivalent of you know reading Star Magazine if you're interested in Hollywood, right? Now, if you want to become an internet marketer, what you do is you put up a sales page and you get people to buy it and you get more people to buy it every single month. I kind of think like is this distinction? So it's like you know you know the it's like the difference between reading Star Magazine and like moving to Hollywood and absolutely writing scripts like getting acting gigs, improving your craft. I often think like, uh, I have this weird distinction in my head. I bring it up occasionally between sharks and dolphins. And it's that dolphins kind of just like derp, they jump into the ocean, they like swim around, they get kind of like hit by, you know, every current that comes their way. Oh, someone said to do white hat. Oh, someone said to do black hat. Oh, this, you know, oh, that. I think sharks, they just watch. They're just seeing what everybody's doing because they already got an offer live and they're using all these forces just to, you know, push people right that's not even a good metaphor no i I get where you're going with this but my 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 point is is that you know if you want to become a great internet marketer i think it's one of the best opportunities because if you're good at it you can live anywhere in the world for the rest of your life and that to me is just an amazing opportunity and i i think to make this a little bit more tangible i think you can become an internet marketing guru on the e-commerce front too because this is going to be something that's going to be huge in demand in the future is figuring out ways to convert better on e-commerce sites yes and uh it, it applies there too so i don't think you know, I am in the, in the traditional sense might not be appealing to a lot of people. I think I am in in the way of conversions on e-commerce. That's pretty tangible. Yeah. And let's get off the conflation between, you know, you know, learning how to become a great, developing great offers and teaching people how to make money online. I mean, these are two different things. So there, you know, every new company depend on some kind of internet marketing. Your goal as a upstart internet marketer is to choose a hyper focus, like, opt-ins for bloggers and to just absolutely bench press that one particular skill set. And uh, that's going to work for you. Absolutely. So number five, and this is the most important one, we're going to call this the hero skill set. This is more important than Python development. This is more important than, you know, uh, learning how to be an online marketer. This is more important than your fancy skill set. This is the top, the most important thing you can develop, Skylar. And uh, Ian's my hero. So Ian, (laughs) <laughs> Explain to me the hero skill set and maybe why why is it so rare to be a hero? I think it's rare to be a hero because it's it's difficult and we're not talking about lifting cars off babies here. Uh, <laughs> that's difficult stuff. All you have to do to be a hero, especially in a company, is to just make decisions about things. And you have to be able to make decisions and know that there's consequences wrapped around those decisions. So you can't just make a decision about which pencil you're going to buy everybody at the office. That bears no consequence. You have to make decisions that really affect the business, the bottom line, the market, things like that. So I think if you are uh, able to make those kinds of decisions for people, because 99% of people aren't able to make those decisions for themselves. So if you can make those kind of decisions for people and business, you're going to be a hero. I'll tell you what the not hero does. The not hero plays patty cake with everybody. Because here's the thing. Every time you make a hero decision, there's collateral damage. There's no exception to that. Every time you decide to not do X and do Y, the people in the X camp are going to be miffed. They're going to be angry. They might lose their jobs. Who knows what's going to happen? And that, I think, is why people are unwilling to be heroes because they don't want to go through that stress. So what they do 
is they go play patty cake with everybody. They run over to the guys in the X camp and they say, hey, I'm going to do this. Is that okay with you? All right, high five. They go to the next guy and they're like, hey, I'm going to do this. Is that okay with you? High five. They go to the next guy and they're like, hey, here's my plan. Can I get your feedback on it? Would you mind getting, should I CC you on it? And it's like all this (laughs) kind of crap, you know? And that is what everybody does. It's like, what do they call it? Like the innumerable irrelevant tasks that are out there. I think what the hero does is they like hear all that stuff and they sit back and they say, I'm going to do this and everybody can freaking eat it because I can't explain to everybody what's going on right now. I was having a conversation last night and there's this great article. I forget who linked to it, but it said that parents are awesome at knowing what's good for their kids, but they're very bad at knowing what's best for their kids. So, you know, your parents give you these suggestions about good stuff to do. Like, it would be good if you kept that nice job or it'd be good if you went to college, you know, but they really suck at knowing what's best for you. That's because what's best is that unique little moment of experience that you have that nobody else has that you know you can go for it. That's only you. You know, the guys at the LBP aren't going to be able to corroborate that for you. You're going to have to make that judgment just for you. And if you try to turn around and play patty cake with everybody about it, you're going to miss out on what's best and you're going to be left with what's good. And I think that that to me is being a hero. And that's tough. I know, man, that's tough. It's so much easier just to say, I'm going to go to uni because mom and pop signed off on this jam, man. They even got to help me pay for it. (laughs) Speaking of which, we should link C to uh, Mark Cuban's article about education. Let's do it. Let's get moving on to the quick tips, tricks, and or funny joke section. Well, Ian, I got to tell you that Dr. Dre beats are still in fine working order, and I would just like to re-mention them because of the pleasure that they have brought into my life. I have gone back and forth on these damn headphones for four months, even when when I first, because I'm kind of, I'm sensitive about material purchases, you know, because... You know, we're trying to keep it tight, man. We don't want to be some guy. So wait a second here. You got the Dr. Dre Beats. I got the Dr. Dre Beats. When did you buy your Beats? I probably bought them like a month and a half ago, something like that. Okay. So I think what would be more interesting today uh, than you telling everybody how cool your Beats are, because everybody knows how cool Beats are. All the rappers I don't know. I heard a lot of people talk. I heard a lot of people having some hate on the Beats, man. Everybody's saying you should get bows. You shouldn't get bows. You should get the Beats. You should get the Beats. We both have the Beats. I've listened to both, and I think the Beats have better sound quality. But here's what I think would be more interesting. I think we should make a bet on whether or not you trash those Beats in the next year. All right. All, All right. right. And what, what happens if I lose? All right. So if you lose, you pay me $100. 100 US dollars? 100 US dollars. I bet you're not going to make it a year with those beats because you're so hard on your stuff, man. But if you do, it's really a testament, the true testament, the true test of how durable the beats are. I'll, I'll be super impressed if those beats make it a year with you. And then I'll go tell everybody how durable the beats are. <laughs> <laughs> I like what you're saying, man. You're telling me to put my money where my mouth is. Well, I'm going to go into my calendar and make a tickler because I have a sense that I'll be collecting a Benji from you one year from now. <laughs> Finally, I want to point you guys to premiumpixels.com. I got a couple designer nerd friends that have absolutely been blown away by the layered Photoshop files that are for free download after an opt-in at premiumpixels.com. People are going nuts. We are using some of these Photoshop elements to redesign some of our websites. 
Um, basically, the guy who runs the site is a world-renowned, like Apple-level kind of web designer, and he just absolutely put out his layered Photoshop files for free download. So, That's so um, cool. I have a designer friend who said. I would have easily paid a thousand dollars for this. Like I wouldn't even wow. blink. So that's baller. A thousand dollar value, premiumpixels.com. Well, Ian, today I'm gonna play you out with some 17-year-old European guy who absolutely made the coolest mashup I've heard in a couple months. And if you put this tune on auto-repeat on YouTube, it's scientifically proven I did the experiment yesterday, you will get more work done. So I can't even pronounce the name, I think it's Median, but uh, I hope that you guys enjoy the jam, and Ian, I certainly enjoyed you joining us on the LBP, phoning it in from San Diego. We'll see you next Thursday. Yeah, buddy. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything 